y'all grateful for God's grace? Amen. Did he give us another Sunday? Come on. He give us another Sunday to help get more people to heaven. Amen. I'm telling y'all right now. And, and speaking of heaven, that's what we're talking about this morning. That's what, Well, I'm glad four of you are excited about that. So I was talking to my wife the other week, and we know that the next big thing, you read this Bible, and you go through it, and you know that the next big prophetic fulfilling that is going to happen is the rapture of the church. Do you know that? We've been talking about this for several weeks. The next big prophetic fulfillment is the rapture of the church. We know that. We spoke about it. We spoke about the tribulation afterwards. We've talked about the Antichrist. We've talked about him coming on the scene. We talked about Christ coming back. We've talked about the importance of Israel in prophecy. If you've missed any of those, please go back and listen to them because they're important, especially right now. So I was talking with Tara, and I said, Tara, you know, we've been in some of these end-time things and, and, and some of these heavier, you know, heavier topics here lately, and, and how many of you know it's important stuff to cover, though? Can I say that? Yeah. That it's important stuff to cover, right, five of you? Um, this important stuff to cover. And so I'd ask her, I said, I, I said we're, you know, we've covered these things these past several weeks. I said, but what should I preach on next? And she said, you should preach on heaven. You see how enthused everybody is about that, baby? Everybody's excited. She said, you should preach on heaven. So this is her fault. God, that woman you gave me. Adam said, I love her. Thank you for her. For real, happy wife. Hey, see, um, but if you got a problem with this, take it up with her. That's all I'm going to tell you. Um, so, and we have been compelled as a church, and I'm saying this, and um, we have been compelled as a church. Dustin and I talk about this all the time, that it's our hearts, our passions. We don't want none of y'all in, uh, to not be in heaven with us. We don't want none of y'all to miss it. It has been our hearts in over th- these past, you know, six, seven, eight weeks that we have just been compelled, right? Especially as all of these prophecies are being fulfilled, guys, right in front of our eyes. In this time that we are living in, it's playing out right in front of us, and we are compelled to ask you the question, are you ready? Thank you. Somebody's been paying attention. Praise the Lord. Are you ready? If Jesus came back today, are you ready? There's two ways to get to heaven. There's two ways to get to heaven. The rapture or death? Amen. I'm here to tell you that before this day is over, Jesus can come back. Or either one of us can breathe our last. Before this day is over. Are you ready? If Jesus jerked you out of that chair right now, would you be ready? If you took your last breath right now, would you be ready? It's very serious. Amen? Are you ready? Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. And God, we just pray right now that heaven is real. There is a place, God, that we're headed. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you went there to prepare it for us. And God, we just pray, Father, right now, Lord, that everyone's ready. And we just commit this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I want to go to the book of Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 4. He said this. He said, after these things, I looked. He said, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. 
And the first voice, where was the door open at? All right. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, come up here. Come up here. And I will show you things which must take place. Verse 2, immediately. That's important. Immediately. Immediately. I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set where? Okay. Four of you are listening to me. He said, immediately I was transported and there was a throne set in heaven and one that sat on the throne. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what happened to John. Amen. I want to talk to you about it for a few minutes and, and how what happened to John should always be on our minds. Everybody say, get heaven on your mind. <laughs> that wasn't bad. Everybody say, get heaven on your mind. Yeah. All right. Y'all wake here. I want you to put heaven on your mind. This morning, I want you to be heavenly minded this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. God saved the apostle Paul from a boiling pot of oil. Okay? He had, listen, they were trying to kill John. They had put him in a boiling pot of oil. He was thrown in there. They said and washed him. He, the Lord saved him. They, they, I'm sure he was scarred from head to toe with third degree burns. He's in a bubbling pot. And maybe not. I'm not sure. I'm just guessing. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego never even got burned. So I'm not sure. I told y'all I had this. <laughs> so listen, I'm sure he was scarred from head to toe with third degree burns, right? And, 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 and God saved him. God saved him. And when he wouldn't burn up, they pulled him out and they exiled him on an island called Patmos. Okay? And on that island, that voice came to him. That voice came to him. It looked bleak. It looked like it was finished. It looked like the church was done. Amen. They had already killed all the other apostles. All the disciples were gone. They had already martyred all of them. John was the last one, and they were trying to kill him too. And it looked very bleak for him. Now here he is. <coughs> Excuse me. Here he is with third-degree burns, isolated on an island all by himself. And suddenly... Heaven opens up. Come on, somebody. Heaven opens up and says, you've had a bad day, John. You've had a bad week. It's been a pretty rough year. Come on, y'all. Heaven opens up. And, and let me tell you, I want to tell you something. You need to hear this because he's not just talking to John. He's talking to you too. Amen. God is not just talking to him. He says, you need to come on up here. He says, you've had a bad day. You've had a bad week. He says, come on up here and let me show you heaven's perspective. Amen. Amen. He said, come on up here and I'm going to show you heaven's perspective. Let me let you eavesdrop on a coming eternity that you get to be a part of. Amen. He says, come on up here. Are you ready for it? He says, you can be a part of this, John, if you don't give up. Are you ready? Are you ready? He's speaking to you too. And I want to preach about this place called heaven this morning. Because I want to tell you, in this room, there are precious people who have been strained and stretched by the trials and tribulations of life. Amen. I don't know who I'm talking to, but some of you better listen to me. There are people in this room who have been hounded by horrible physical pain, people with financial difficulty, people with family issues, people with problems in their life. Listen to me. Satan wants you to keep your focus on your problems, not on the promise. Amen. Amen. 
There are people in this room, you have stuff going on. And that's what Satan wants you to do is keep your eyes on your problems and not on his promise. Because that's what he, listen, you've got to understand this. We live shallow, earthbound lives. We live shallow, earthbound lives, guys, and that's what the devil wants us to do. He only wants us to focus on the problems. He only wants us to focus. Listen, he wants to smother out the promise that John gave us in chapter 14. Look at this right here. Look what he said. He said, in my father's house. Ooh, he says, I go and prepare a place for you. The devil wants to smother that promise out of you. He says, I want to go and prepare a place for you. There's many mansions. And Jesus says, if I go there. And prepare a place for you. He says, I will come again. That you may be where I am. Amen. He's coming back. And John said, I looked up. He said, I saw a door in heaven. I heard a voice say, come on up here, son. Amen. He said, peer into the paradise of God. Come on up here and let me get you a heavenly perspective. Amen, y'all. It's a real place. It's not just a state of mind. Heaven is not a figment of your imagination. Heaven is not some make-believe place that we just see on TV shows. Y'all understand that? Look at verse 2 right here. Look at what Jesus said. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, my life. My wife taught me what lying by omission was the other day. <laughs> she, she's like, you're a liar. I'm like, I didn't lie to you. She's like, yes, you did. I'm like, how did I lie to you? And I say, you didn't tell me the whole truth. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But she did teach me what lying by omission was. How many of y'all know Jesus ain't a liar? How many of you know Jesus ain't a liar? He said, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I wouldn't be lying by omission, Tara, keeping stuff out. He said, if it was not so, <laughs> he said, if it was not so, I would have told you. He's saying, I'm telling you right now that this is a real place. There is a real place called heaven. Amen. Look at this right here, Acts 1.11. The angelic benediction of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was on a cloudy elevator, he's heading on his way up to heaven in Acts chapter 1. And what did they say to him? The angels are standing there and they said, hey, disciples, men of Galilee, why are you just standing there gazing? That's what the angels said to him. Why are you just standing there gazing up? This same Jesus who was taken up into heaven, oh, you got to see this part, so shall come back in like manner. Do you understand that? They're telling them. The angels are telling them. Don't be standing up there and just gazing into heaven. He's coming back. You're going to be there with him. He went and prepared a place. Stop gazing up there. He's coming back. Amen. He's coming back. And then 1 Thessalonians puts it this way. Look at chapter 4, right here, verse 16. We've talked about this. I've preached on this for the past couple weeks, but here it is. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. With the voice of an archangel. Listen, and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. We've talked about this. And so shall we always be with the Lord. And then he doesn't end it there. 
Verse 18. He says, and therefore. Everybody say it together. Comfort one another with these words. We are commanded to comfort one another. Listen to me. God knew that you were going to go through trials and you were going to go through troubles and you were going to go through persecutions in this world. And he knew it. And he said, I want you to get your eyes on heaven and comfort each other with these words. Amen. He says, I want you to comfort each other. He says, the stresses of life are going to overwhelm you. There are going to come times where all moments in our life. Listen, we don't need to just view life from down here. Amen. He said, we need to come on up higher. He says, come on up here. Hear comforting words. And he says, I command you to comfort one another. Amen. He said, comfort one another with this promise. Praise God. Come on. Comfort one another. And that's what I'm here for this morning. I am here to give you comfort this morning. Amen. I am here to comfort you with these words. I don't care how bad things are. I don't care. Listen, I promise you, things are going to be much better when you get in heaven. Amen. Come on, somebody. I don't care how bad things are in this world. He said, comfort. Comfort one another with these words. Amen. Come on, y'all. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, there's a place called heaven. Amen. And he said, comfort one another with that. Do you understand that? Can somebody shout, I want to go there? I want to go there. Don't let the antagonist of your soul take heaven off the table. Do not let the antagonist of your soul take heaven off the table. The devil wants to take heaven off of your radar screen. Do you understand that? The devil wants to take heaven off of your radar screen. But it is mentioned 1,865 times. You better do better than that. Y'all better do better than that. Heaven is mentioned 1,865 times in the Old Testament. 316 times in the New Testament. That tells me we need to be preaching about heaven. That tells me we need to be singing about heaven. That tells me we need to be testifying about heaven. Amen. It is mentioned that many times in the Bible. You better pay attention to it. That's all I can say. We need to be preaching about it, talking about it, singing about it. We ought to be testifying about it. 1 Peter 1.4 says this. Listen. That you should rejoice greatly. Amen. Amen. That you have an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled. And it does not fade away. Reserved where? For who? Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Can we fulfill that scripture? Let's greatly rejoice. Come on, let's greatly rejoice. Let's fulfill that scripture right now. Let's greatly rejoice that we have an inheritance in heaven. We have a reward that is for you. He says greatly rejoice in it. That's what the Bible says. You ought to shout about it. Let's let hell know that we still believe in heaven. Huh? We're headed somewhere. We're headed somewhere. We ain't just passing. Oh, live like you. Y'all remember that old song? I got heaven on my mind. Y'all remember that? Huh? Well, I'm feeling mighty fine. Because <laughs> I got heaven on my mind. 
Come on, y'all get habit on your mind. If you want to stop feeling all down and dirty and you want to get out of the mully grubs, come on, get heaven on your mind. Amen? He said, comfort one another with these words. He said, get heaven on your mind. I promise you, when you start thinking about heaven and you stop looking at all this, you're going to feel mighty fine. You're going to feel mighty fine when you get heaven on your mind. Amen? I can't even talk about it. If you want to get feeling mighty fine, put heaven on your mind. Amen? Come on, get I, oh my goodness, I can't even talk about it without smiling, baby. I feel like Joel Osteen up here right now. <laughs> Y'all better get heaven on your mind. <sighs> oh, good Lord. Jesus, help us, help us, help us. Amen. You can't even talk about heaven without smiling. Amen. Come on, y'all. Just makes you happy. Don't it? If you really want to get out of the mully grubs, put heaven on your mind. You'll feel mighty fine. Amen. The voice said this. He said, come up here. Come up here. You know the word heaven means heights, upper places, heavenly places. Amen. Jesus came down to earth. Ephesians said that he descended and after that, he rose again and ascended because heaven is up. Heaven is up. We know that with a shout when Jesus comes back on a cloud, he's going to descend because heaven is up. Amen? We know that. And the dead in Christ will rise up. And then we who are alive, we, we are alive. We remain and be and what? Call up because heaven is up. See, when Lucifer, when, when he wanted to take over heaven, he said, I will ascend Amen? I'm going to go up above the throne of God because heaven is up. Amen? If you could travel at the speed of light. That's the reason I'm saying this. Light years, light speed, whatever they call it, right? If you could travel at the speed of light. It would take Mercury. The planet Mercury is 48 million miles away. And if you traveled at the speed of light, it would take you four and a half minutes to get there. Jupiter... It's 370 million miles away, and it would take you 35 minutes to get there. Saturn is 870 million miles away, and it would take you one hour and 10 minutes to get there. And yet the truth is this, that John said immediately. Amen. He said immediately. Immediately. I was in heaven. Immediately, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, we will all be changed and we'll all be in heaven. And I'm saying to you today that what the Apostle Paul told us in 1 Corinthians is absolutely 100% the truth. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. He said this in verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all die, all sleep, but we will all be changed. We will all be changed in a moment. Do you know a moment? It's just a moment. In the twinkling of an eye. In, the, in a moment, things can change. <laughs> Listen, 
He says, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, verse 53, look at this. Then corruption will put on incorruption. The mortal will put on immortality. And when that happens, the saying that is written will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? And grave, where is your victory? And I want to tell you, I don't know who you've buried. And I don't know who you've lost. But I got news for you. Death will be swallowed up in victory because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. I am here to tell you right now, because of what he did, they will rise again if their faith was in Jesus Christ. They will rise again if their faith was in Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to say this. Look at this in verse 58. He said, therefore, be steadfast. Be immovable because of this, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. Hallelujah. Because we're headed somewhere. In other words, Paul said, get heaven on your mind. He said, get heaven on your mind. You're going somewhere. When you get stuck in all of this stuff, everybody say, get heaven on your mind. Yeah. Everybody say, get heaven on your mind. Yeah. Thank you. When things get tough, the hours are going to come. The trials are going to come. Get heaven on your mind. Get heaven on your mind. Amen. How do you get off depression pills? How do you get out of the mully grubs? Come on. You got to get heaven on your mind. You got to stop just looking at temporal and passing and put your minds on eternal and, and immortal. Do you understand that? You have to get your eyes off of the temporal and the passing and focus on the eternal and the immortal. I'm telling you. That's how. Get heaven on your mind. You got to stop just looking at this stuff. Jesus is coming back again. Amen. Get heaven on your mind. Get heaven on your mind. We're going to a city of gold. We're going where there is no sorrow, pain, tears, or dying. Can you say amen, somebody? C.S. Lewis put it like this. I want to show you this because he said, if you read history, throughout all of history, he said, if you read history, the Christians who did the most for the present world were precisely those who thought the most of the next world. Amen. Because when you don't have heaven on your mind and this is all you focus on. Listen, he went on to say this. When Christians cease to think of the other world, they become ineffective in this one. Their minds were occupied on heaven. Get your mind on heaven. Amen. Thank you for that arousing applause. I appreciate it. Get your mind on heaven. If you want to do more for this world, you better focus on the next one. Amen. We're headed somewhere. Get your mind on heaven. Can I tell you, if we're not careful, we'll let the enemy of our soul, y'all know who that is. We'll let the enemy of our soul do nothing but make us think about the here and now. And it's a trick, folks. It's a trick. Amen. I believe that we need to be reminded of 1 John 3. Look at this. Verse 2, it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. Do you know that we only use a third of our brains? <laughs> I'm being generous, brother. <laughs> Do you know that we only use a third of our brains? You know we're under the curse. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Because it says we have not yet been revealed what we're going to be. Can you imagine going to a world where you use 100% of your brain? I'm dead serious. Think about that for a minute. 
You have no idea because it has not been revealed to what you are going to be. He says it has not been revealed. We shall be like him. We shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. And then it says, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. I believe that one of the reasons people don't live holy, they just go live reckless, wild lives, is because they don't believe in heaven. Amen. They don't believe in heaven. He said, if you put this hope in heaven, it'll purify you. It should. I think I said purify. It'll purify you. He said, if you put your hope in heaven, amen. People used to be afraid to do some things. They ain't no more. People are like, well, I'm living under grace. Well, you know what? I'm under grace too. But being under grace don't give you a license to live like hell. Being under grace don't give you a license to live like hell. Amen. I'm under grace too. Don't give you a license to live like hell. Come on, y'all. If you're really under grace, it ought to be changing you. If you're really under grace... It ought to be changing you. And I'm telling you, we ought to be preaching heaven like it is real. We've let the devil take heaven off the table, y'all. And nobody wants to talk about it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's another place. Nobody talks about the eternal reward. But one day, we're going to leave this world behind. And we're going to be in another world. And that's our reward. Our reward is in another world. And if you never get that car, if you never get the house, if you never get the six-figure career, if you got Jesus, you got everything. Amen. Amen. You have it all. You focus on all this stuff down here if you want to. If you got Jesus, you got it all. Amen. Keep heaven on your mind. Keep heaven on your mind. It's going to be worth it, church. It's all going to be worth it. 2,163 times in the Bible talks about Christ coming back to get us. This doctrine must be preached and this theory must be believed. I'm just telling you. This doctrine must be preached and this theory must be believed because he said everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself. If you've got hope in Jesus coming back, he says it purifies yourself. Heaven should be a really good motivator to get your crap together. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to say it to you. Heaven should be a really good motivator to get your crap together. And one day you're going to get a crown if you fight temptation, if you stand for what's right, if you honor Jesus and take up your cross. Heaven's going to be your reward. Amen. You know, heaven has fallen off of our radar screen. And people just live however they want for here and now. They do whatever they want to do. That's why when they get 50... <sighs> I just have, I'm almost. Okay, I can say this. That's why when they get 50, they have a midlife crisis. 
Amen. You know what I'm talking about? You ought to say midlife. Yeah, it's midlife. You know what? It's midlife because I'm almost home. Let me tell you that. That's what it is. It ain't a midlife crisis. You get 50 and you're standing there looking around. Hallelujah. Like, I don't know if I still got it. I don't know if I'm still buff. Am I still big? Am I still in shape? No, you're not. You are not. You are going downhill. You, you are not. <laughs> Praise God. You're going downhill. You're going downhill, but you're on your way to heaven. You have a midlife crisis. I'm telling you guys, you are going downhill, but you know what? When you got Jesus, you're going up. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. You ought to shout like you're going to be walking on streets of gold. You ought to. You're going downhill. <laughs> but if you got Jesus, you're heading up. Oh. He said, greatly rejoice in this hope. Greatly rejoice in this hope. You have an inheritance that is in heaven. Do you understand that? Greatly rejoice. Revelation 13, 6. says, the satanic beast opens his mouth to blaspheme three things. Watch this. To blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, which is God's dwelling place. Amen. Isn't that interesting? That's interesting to me. That he says he blasphemes God's dwelling and those who dwell in heaven. That's something. Our enemy slanders three things. He slanders God's person. He slanders God's people. And he slanders God's place. Amen. And then he says the people who are going there in heaven. After forcibly being evicted from heaven... In Isaiah chapter 14, listen to this. Satan is bitter towards God's person. He's bitter towards God's place. And he is really, really bitter toward God's people. Amen. And it must madden him to know that you're about to take his place. It must madden him to no end that you're about to occupy the same area he's been evicted out of. Amen. Wow. He's been to heaven. You know what? He's been there. We have it. He knows how wonderful it is. And it drives him crazy that he's been kicked out because of the blood and the work that was done on the cross. We get to take his place. Hallelujah. Amen, Jesus. And so the enemy starts whispering lies. Come on. He starts whispering lies about God's place. Y'all, he starts talking about God's place. And then he starts whispering lies. You know, there's, there's no God. It's not real. Heaven ain't real. This place ain't real. You're living for nothing. There's no reward. There's no hell. There's no heaven. Right? There's nothing. He whispers lies against God's person, against God's people. He's the accuser of the brethren. Is what the Bible says. He's the accuser. And against God's place. Oh, just live it up. Live it up. You're better. There's nothing coming. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. Satan hates the new heaven and the new earth just as bad as a disposed dictator hates a new government and a new territory that's took over for him. Amen. I'm telling you. Satan hates the new heaven and the new earth just like a disposed dictator would hate a new government and a new dictator taking over his place. Amen. Don't let the devil take heaven off the table. It's our hope. 
It's our hope. Don't let the devil take heaven off of your table. It's our hope. Amen. Well, what's it going to be like, Pastor? Well, I... <laughs> Thanks, Pastor. Eyes have not seen and ears have not heard. Revelation 21.4, look at this. It says, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There will be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Amen. <clears throat> I wrote down some things that are not going to be in heaven. Hear me? I wrote down some things that will not be in heaven. There will be no funeral homes in heaven. Because the upper taker is putting the undertaker out of business. Come on, somebody. The upper taker is putting the undertaker out of business. There will be no hospitals. There will be no divorce courts. There will be no bankruptcy courts. There will be no addiction centers in heaven. There will be no teen suicide in heaven. There will be no pornography in heaven. There will be no cancer, glory to God, in heaven. There will be no rape in heaven. There will be no missing children, no drug problems. There will be no gangs, no shootings. There will be no acts of terrorism in heaven. There will be no racial tension or division. There will be no prejudice. There will be no injustice. There will be no harsh words. There will be no worry. There will be no heart monitors. There will be no depression. There will be no wars. There will be no trauma or emotional breakdowns. There will be no tribulation or suffering. There will be no wheelchairs or crutches. There will be no intensive care units. There will be nothing but absolute perfection, joy unspeakable, full of glory in heaven. Jesus Christ, hallelujah. Hallelujah! I'll have a new body. I'll have a new name. I'll have a new mansion. And I'll sing a new song. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. Hallelujah! Do you understand that? Heaven is your home. You're going somewhere. I want to end with telling you what will be there. I'm almost done. <laughs> Listen, I want to tell you what will be there because, because John did in Revelation chapter 21. And I'm going to read it how I want to read it. Well, thank you. I'm just going to speak to you, I reckon. I'm going to read this how I want to read it because I'm going to tell you what's going to be in heaven. And this is what John wrote to us. And he said this in chapter 21. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. He said, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and also there were no more sea. Then I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for, for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, behold, the tabernacle of God is is with men and he will dwell with them and they will be his people. Listen to this. Hmm. God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. There shall be no more pain for the former things have passed away. Go down to verse 10 with me. Go down to verse 10 with me. Here it is. He says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper, 
clear as crystal. Also, she had a great and high wall with 12 gates, 12 angels at the gates. The names on them were written as the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three on the north, gates on the south, and three on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. And he who taught with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates, and its walls. The city is laid out as a square. Very important. I'll explain that next week. Very important. The city is laid out as a square. How many carpenters we got in here? All right. Chew on that for a minute. The city was laid out as a square. Its length is as great as its breadth, and he measured the city with a reed 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man. That is of an angel. The construction of its walls was of jasper. Listen to this. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardis, the seventh was chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth was topaz. The tenth was chrysophrase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst, the twelve gates were twelve solid individual pearls. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. Chapter 22, verse 1. Go to chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life. Clear as, clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Listen to this. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was a tree of life which bore 12 fruits, each tree, each tree yielding its own fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Glory to God. And there shall be no more curse. But the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it and his servants shall serve him. They shall see his face and his name shall be on their foreheads. There shall be no night there. They need no lamp nor light of the sun, for the Lord gives light to them. Here it is. Here it is. Everybody read this last sentence. And they shall reign forever and ever. Does anybody believe this is still going to happen? Does anybody believe this book? Do you believe this is really going to happen? You need to get heaven on your mind. No giving up, no turning back, no falling in love with this old world in the way it is. You can't fall in love with this stuff. I don't care how much money you got. Nothing can compare to what God has prepared for you in heaven. Hallelujah. Woo. Get heaven on your mind.